The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Googleization Nation and to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show. Uh, we continue to hope you and your teams and your families are staying safe and staying healthy. We are in another uh, tumultuous time today. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like a number of states were seeing record high infection rates uh, with COVID. Uh, just uh, before we went on the air, I saw that uh, New York, New Jersey and Connecticut are going to start a quarantine people from out of the area. Uh, that should be rather interesting. Uh, so uh, as much as we'd like to say we're getting, uh, we're not going back to normal, uh, let's get that clear, but as far as uh, getting, uh, settling into a new normal, uh, that seems to be a little bit off. But we're going to try to uh, bring you some new opportunities. We've got a great guest today. Uh, we're going to be talking with Claudia Reuters, who has a brand new book, uh, and it's called Yes, You Can Do This. And it's primarily focused on women, but I think uh, men will get a lot out of it as well, especially in, in this world of uh, remote work, of, of parenting, being a parent, being a, an executive, being an employee, uh, working from home, trying to be a teacher, uh, an employee, a parent, a neighbor, uh, a caregiver, uh, all those things wrapped up in one, and there is a path to do that. Uh, and uh, and uh, Claudia has a a podcast too. It's called the forty three uh, the forty three percent podcast, and uh, we're going to learn a little bit what thirty three percent means. What's the significance of that? Uh, before we kind of jump into this, I'll bring in Keith, and we'll get an update on what he's been up to. Uh, to there's another big week on some webinars here. Actually, I just posted a few uh, up there. I've got four coming up, and uh, there's two in the wings. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be busy doing a lot of webinars. Uh, tomorrow, I'm partnering again with JobSync, and we're going to be talking about that HR uh uh, tech stack, um, which is basically all the technology that you've probably accumulated over the, the last few months uh, to make it work, uh, this work from home, work, uh, remote work, um, kind of purchasing things, patching it together. And now it's time to not step back, but look at how do you make it work better? Which ones are working? And uh, that fits right into Keith's world of the ROI shop. Uh, so we'll hear a little bit of we'll, you, you can learn a little bit more about that tomorrow. And then in the afternoon, we're doing the second of a four part series uh, with my uh, friend, Dr. Ed Gordon. He's a labor economist. He's written 20, 20 books on the future of work. And tomorrow we're going to talk about the failure of the current talent strategies. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> hey. You know what? What, what can I say? Stop, stop, stop laughing. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try to cram in, um, 
you know, I, I, that case are worth of work in uh, about 45 minutes. So, uh, you, you, yeah, if you belong to Googleization Nation, uh, you know, our community, it's free. Uh, you can go up, you'll get uh, notices and the links for all of these or just connect with me on uh, LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, just go up Ira Wolf on, on LinkedIn and uh, you'll you'll certainly see a lot of notices about this. So I, I got to ask you, Keith, I mean, you know, I, I think you laughed last week when I said the failure of current talent strategies, uh, um, you know, what's so funny? Well, so the, the, thanks for the softball. So, you know, it, what's what's funny to me is that I'm experiencing uh, a new uh, realization here in the sales enablement world, Ira. And I'm see. It's funny you said tech stack because that's like the big conversation right now. What's the tech stack a company is going to use to evolve? And it just it it's not a laugh that I'm focusing on behalf of HR, although I will laugh at your expense because it's almost like banging our heads up against the wall at this point. But I think what it really touches to me on is like the whole solution has been what we've been talking about. And and it, I laugh because we're on like show podcast 107 or something like that. And I bet you 80% of them drill down to HR or, and I could say now confidently, or sales teams' inability to recognize how to appropriately use software so that you can then offset the labor, which is really what technology is about, so that you could focus on the things that are really important, like your employees, like your clients. And if you put in technology and you focus on the wellness of your employees and your clients, then miraculously or not, and I'm sure Claudia will help us with this, your investors and your stakeholders will benefit as well. It seems so black and white to me, but yet only thing the world can do is prove to us week after week <laughs> that it's way easier said than done. And so it's, it's really coming to the forefront on the sales side here with the ROI shop stuff because, you know, sales is probably the most progressive department you would hope your company has. And it's really rewarding, Ira, to experience the difference in conversation I am having now with sales leaders versus HR leaders. It's just a total different dynamic. And it's wild to see that while they both have similar challenges, one side of the the office is definitely more willing to try things and, and put together, you know, business cases effectively so that they can put the right tools in place and succeed. And it's just a lot of fun to talk about. And you're right. I mean, we keep, you know, and again, it's not bashing HR uh, at all. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping that we're offering solutions and opportunities and if nothing else, just another perspective. But it seems that we just chase our tails a, a lot of times. Uh, and especially when it comes back to that keeping the H in HR, keeping the human HR argument. And, and a lot of people are talking about that. You know, certainly one of the things that they talk about on the leadership side, and I, I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit uh, about that with Claudia, uh, is about, uh, you know, empathy is thrown out there a lot. We, you know, that as a leader, especially with people struggling and working from home, um, and, you know, after the pandemic, that and empathy, you know, being more empathetic will be a critical skill 
of leadership. In fact, I just saw something this morning. I don't want to take too much time here, um, but it's uh, Jacob Morgan. If you if you've not following him, I'd suggest it. But he has a, a new book. It's called The Future Leader. He interviewed 140 CEOs from around the world. Some of the biggest. Co- I mean, these are brand name companies. So, it, and uh, he partnered with LinkedIn, and they had 14,000 global uh, 14,000 employees uh, complete a survey. And they identified what he calls the he calls there's nine skills uh, actually there's six skills uh, or five skills and four mindsets, and it's interesting and 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 preparing for Claudia I was looking at these, and I'm looking at the skills and one is being a coach okay that's being a mother and a father as well, a futurist maybe not so much technology teenager. Yeah, I think everybody, especially trying, you know, now that be that now that parents at home are also teachers. Uh, if they weren't, if the parents weren't very savvy with technology, they certainly had to be after that. They're a translator. They're Yoda is a skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at the mindsets, it was being about being a global citizen. So that's part of it. Being a servant, being the chef, and being an explorer. I'm looking at these. And six or seven of these are skills of parenting. <laughs> How about uh, it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. Uh, and uh, again, it, it's a pretty significant survey. I, I suggest uh, you can go up to LinkedIn. You can just search uh, Jacob um, Morgan. And as I said, it, I, I don't know if his book just came out today or not, but uh, he just had a big release and uh, you can go out and do that. But, uh, you know, pretty, pretty appropriate into the conversation we're having and going back to the keeping the H and HR, um, you know, again, empathy is certainly embedded uh, in one of those. It's not a distinct skill. Uh, but going back to the technology is if you're not using technology, you have no time for empathy because all you're doing is learning new technology. Um, the technology is supposed to help people uh, automate and free up and, and take some of those tedious tasks that people tend to love to do and free time up so you can have that good conversation with other people. And uh, so, again, tomorrow's uh, conversation is going to be back evaluating that tech stack, but it goes way beyond that. And then uh, in the afternoon, we're going to be talking about the, you know, uh, looking at the current talent strategies and what needs to be different. And and uh, Ed Gordon, Dr. Ed Gordon's got a, a pretty nice viewpoint on that. So uh, stay tuned. But today... We have got Claudia Reuters, and her brand new book, let me pull that back up again, uh, is titled, Yes, You Can Do This, How Women Start Up, Scale Up, and Build the Life They Want. And again, I'll be interested because I think it goes beyond just women here. And uh, we're going to learn a little bit about what the 43% is. So welcome to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show, Claudia. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for having me join. Yeah. And so you've you've got an interesting background. I mean, you you basically have done, you know, you, you're, you're going to be talking a lot about a lot of the experiences you had as a stay at home mom. Um, that's where you mm-hmm. came from. But you became a, a basically a venture backed CEO, uh, which is a task in and of itself, regardless of what gender you are in. It's a challenge. Um, <laughs> you, you end up becoming an executive, a, a two billion plus company. Uh, now you're general manager, I, th- I think, at Techstars, and uh, you're hosting a podcast. So you're 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 doing a lot of uh, as as uh, Keith talks about life work integration. Uh, so uh, we're, we're anxious to hear about that. So let's start out with one thing. Um, you know, and again, it's all over the place. You talked about forty three percent. What's forty three percent represent? 
Sure. So, you know, statistically, like across the board, approximately 43% of women step out of the workforce at some point, um, and typically for caregiving. And it's interesting because it's approximately 85% of women at some point in their lives become mothers, and yet very little in our corporate structures is actually set up with that um, anticipation in mind. We, you know, we talk about maternity leave and other things, but when you really look at the workday structure uh, and where childcare fits into that um, for men and for women, um, we're still working with structures that did not <laughs> contemplate the the world that we're in today. Not from a technology perspective, from a you know dual income perspective, certainly not from a head of household, you know, potentially single mom perspective. So. Uh, yeah, I started a podcast called The 43% last year because I I remember I stepped out of the workforce um, when I had my first child. And I did so not because I was just looking to, um, you know, stop, stop or hold my career. I really felt at that point that that was the right decision for me, for my family. And I didn't really see a lot of easy alternatives um, based on what was in front of me at that point. And when I went to step back into the world of, you know, traditional work, I realized that it wasn't going to be as easy as maybe I thought it could be, um, that uh, there, this idea of a motherhood penalty that uh, studies, you know, from the gender, um, there's a gender action portal that pointed this out. There is actually a motherhood penalty that essentially m- women who are mothers are perceived as less competent, less, uh, more, less reliable, whereas men who have children are actually perceived in the opposite way. So it, it could, there's a whole host of challenges for women um, in particular when they, if they do seek to re-enter the workforce. But I started thinking about it in terms of, well, why is this, why is any of this such a challenge in the first place? Why is the whole structure set up this way? Um, and so when I had, you know, challenges stepping back in or thinking through how I wanted to step back in, I actually ended up starting my own company. And um, I certainly didn't realize it at the time, but now all, you know, 17 years later, I realized that that was actually a a huge way to actually step immediately back into leadership. I didn't have to take a step down. I didn't have to uh, apologize for my time away. Um, I simply went and started something and that's allowed me to keep making progress. And so um, I started the podcast to just get more stories out there of other women who've had either nonlinear career paths, have stayed in the workforce the whole time or potentially are still, you know, uh, you know, taking a step away for, for caregiving reasons. And I just wanted to get some additional perspectives out there. So it's been a really great ride. We've got, we've had a ton of phenomenal folks on the show, ranging from, you know, CEOs to authors, to um, doctors, to lawyers, um, all talking about their experiences. And the, one of the main common threads I've seen now, we're in season three and the season we're focused on COVID and what, what this now looks like when we're, we're on top of everything else. For, and I think, you know, now it's for everyone, right? We're seeing kids jump on Zoom calls. It's a whole new world. And, and which to me means tons of opportunity for all of us. Um, but the one common thread that came up was this idea that a lot of times people are stepping away because of the workday structure. You know, that three o'clock pickup does not align with the five o'clock workday ending. Um, and you can't just not pick your kid up. <laughs> and so uh, I, you know, I, I saw this common thread and I also started working on a book to help people 
um, on one hand, you know, encourage people to think about entrepreneurship as a way not only to, to build a business and, and hey, we all know that, you know, some startups succeed, some don't. So it's not to say that, um, hey, you sh- it's not a get rich quick book, right? It's really a manifesto designed to encourage people to consider entrepreneurship as a path. Because if you can get to scale, you can, you have the power to change all these things and you have the power, you know, if if the, you know, startups that are out there in the last 15 years are the companies that, you know, started the concept of bringing your dogs to work or knocking down cubicle walls and all the things that kind of leaked and made their way into the mainstream. um, I feel like the last frontier or one of the new frontiers in future of work is thinking about the whole person as uh, family as caregiver and uh, and that's for men and women right um, and how we want to you know this is our chance to really think about how do we want to do this what do we want the world of work to look like and we certainly have the tools and technology to rethink a whole bunch of things okay hold the phone so <laughs> all right Ira is already smiling because he knows I'm I'm like going crazy on this side here, Claudia. So in addition to you writing a book, starting a podcast, being a super mom and actually creating a enduring business, you have caught on to the idea. And this is something, Claudia, uh, that, you know, the listeners hopefully know by now, but I'll share with you. About four years ago, I started my own personal journey and I broke out of the mindset of what I, you know, everyone refers to as work-life balance which is generally stress management, which has basically led the entire global business world prior to COVID to being unproductive and mentally and emotionally worn down. And Mm. I saw this notion of life work integration start to take form. And I, I myself am divorced. So I have two boys. I got laid off 13 months ago. And all I could do is essentially what you just described. I, I, I took it upon myself to put it out there um, and like, you know, and, and turn stress into a competitive advantage. And, you know, Ira and I were joking about this last week. It's amazing how fast the last 15 months, 14 months went by and how much has gone on in the small world here. And now you're, mm-hmm. it sounds to me like you've, you've, you've experienced a similar thing. My question to you is when you, how do you help like, what's the message that you use to scale this? Because I think more often than not, people tend to look at other people and think, I don't have that strength or that's something they were able to do. I wasn't. And I assure you, as much as I've, uh, I feel I've accomplished in the last year, I'm just a knucklehead. You know, I, I, I'm just doing things that I hear and see other smart people doing. And I try my best to instill that with people other people so that they know they actually have the capacity to do their own version of what Claudia has done and what I've done. What do you say and, and what do you see people responding to? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a whole, whole lot to unpack there. Um, and congratulations, by the way, on everything you've been doing. It's, um, it's no easy task. Um, but yeah, what, what, where I think it's important to start and is with where y- your vision is of where you could go. And it's really important to define that, not because it needs to be unchangeable. Certainly, you're going to you know, modify your wants and desires over time. But if you can really get reflective and sit down and really think about, hey, if I, if I start whatever this is tomorrow, 
what could it look like in one year, two year, three year, four year, five years? And what do I want it to look like? I think we often end up in a trap where we start to build or make or sign on for a job because we think it's what we should be doing or what we're capable of doing. And so I try to challenge people to break out of whatever you think you should do or can do and instead think about what, what does an ideal end game look like? What does it really look like? Is it, Hey, you know, I'm really happy. I'm, you know, just working by myself and, you know, have a couple customers and, you know, live in a small place in the northern tip of Maine or, you know, am I, you know, building something that's that's going to be really big and that I could see a whole bunch of people working at and I could see, um, you know, game changing solutions coming to play. And there's no wrong answer here. I think that's the other thing that's important to this is about you and what you want and what you think you want to aim for. And then once you get there and you get really clear about it, then you can start walking back to today to get to your plan. And the analogy I try to give folks is like, if you were mapping out, you know, how do you get from Boston to New York, right? You would likely just, you know, now you take out your GPS and you figure out what the map is and what the best place, you know, direction to go is, but you wouldn't get stuck in each step that you, you wouldn't think about every, you know, okay, I need to go to the car and turn it on and drive. like, you wouldn't go through each of these things and worry about each of these things. You have confidence that, Hey, set out a plan. I'm going to get there. I assume things could happen along the way, but you have the confidence based on your experience to know that no matter what happens, you'll figure it out. Maybe your car will break down. Maybe there'll be traffic. Maybe it'll take a little longer than you thought. Maybe you'll need more gas than you thought. Maybe you'll have to switch vehicles and take a train. Who knows? But you know you'll get there. And so starting with that destination really helps you define the what, and then you can start to map out the how and how you get there. Um, I think for people who are in underrepresented, you know, or historically underrepresented groups, women in in particular, um, I think one of the challenges that we have is that there aren't many images out there of of these types of bigger pictures. So it's harder when you don't have anything in your like subconscious reptilian mind of images that you've loaded up over the years that tell you, yeah, I can see myself as this person doing this thing, whatever that is. If you don't see that image, um, it's very hard to build the vision of that. So some of the things I focus on the book sound kind of woo-woo too, but it's really, I think, important to think about the vision, the, the images that you hold. And if you don't, if you can't get there, start to think about some affirmations and some statements you can write down to, to basically build your own confidence that you can get there. Um, you know, there was, there's studies out there that there's been an uptick in different career paths over the years, even just based on simple things like media images that people see on TV and in shows. And so, you know, holding those images for yourself is really important, but that, yeah, once you have that, that clear goal that you place no judgment on, it's just where you want to be, then you can start to map back how you get there. And that might require that you need some, you know, some capital to get there. It might might mean that you can just bootstrap. It might mean that, you know, you're building a a nonprofit, right? And and you're going to go fundraise in a different way. So again, there's no wrong answer, but it's just really important to to make sure you know where you want to (sighs) go. So, Claudia, do you think that uh, again, you know, not that the, that the the COVID um, 
in 19 and the pandemic, I uh, don't want to make light of it, but there, there seems to be some silver linings that um, are, are within there. And maybe that's the uh, mm-hmm. opportunity that we find within crisis. Do you think that this, um, you know, the shelter in place, the working from home and the remoteness and, and now that, uh, you know, both a lot of the male executives have been forced to, to, to be at home with the kids and see what really goes mm-hmm. on during the day and all those responsibilities. Um, is, is, there an op- is there an opportunity there? Do you think that, um, you know, this is actually going to uh, be a lasting change, the catalyst that that maybe some of the barriers that you faced uh, will go away? Absolutely. And I think that um, it's on both sides, right? So on one hand, we're seeing suddenly, you know, for those of us who have been fortunate enough to, you know, keep our jobs and our, you know, ability to earn an income right now, obviously, there's a lot of people suffering who are out of work. But for those of us who are suddenly finding ourselves on a million Zoom calls a day, I think it's been on one hand really liberating to see little kids popping into Zoom meetings and, you know, all those things happening. I think it's what's also really interesting is that I have seen just observationally, this isn't based in a study or anything, but I have seen men with small children be totally unapologetic, totally just yeah, this is the situation I'm in. I'm letting my kid in the room and it's wonderful, right? And I would say that historically women are more likely to, myself, I should just speak about individually, are, have been more likely to try to compartmentalize things. So we might have had these things happening, but you're trying to hide it and you're trying to have your like work face and your home face. And um, so I think, you know, what this has really done is I think, you know, a lot of women I've spoken to We've been like, wow, look at this, this, you know, we're all in a pandemic and, and suddenly it's okay to have kids in a room and, and, and a lot of men made that okay. And um, so I think it's, I think it's on all of us as, as the world, you know, eventually comes back to whatever the new normal is that we all take a step back and say, yeah, you know what, that was actually okay. Like we still got work done <laughs> and um, yeah. And just, you know, thinking, thinking about this from both sides um, of, you know, not feeling like you need to compartmentalize as much. Um, I also think it's changed a, a lot in terms of it's kind of normalized everything. Like, you know, I think you've probably seen some of the threads out there on different things that are critiquing what people are sitting in front of in their Zoom meetings and stuff. And, you know, it's like the, I think some of the mystique that comes with, you know, even with, you know, you see TV, you know, personalities right now without their normal makeup artists and all and perfect lighting. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, suddenly it's like, Hey, wait a minute. Everybody truly is equal. Like everybody truly, like we, we're all, we all, you know, we all come into this world with the same ability. It's just that opportunity isn't evenly distributed. And so that's one of the things I think we have a big opportunity to really think about. And certainly, you know, I think with the movement towards the real amplification of the message of Black Lives Matter, I think that is something that is also in part a result of the pandemic because so many people are sudden, were suddenly either out, you know, more tuned in, more on social. Um, we're all in our, you know, homes on lockdown, paying attention, and so it's just been it's been really interesting to see. Like, and I think the light is getting shed on you know, the fragility in our supply chain. I think the light is getting shed on, you know, the, the way in which we're, it's not, it's like the future of work, but it's also the future of how we build things and the future mm-hmm. of how we think about, um, you know, food safety, cleanliness in offices, you know, th- there's so many different um, aspects of society that 
you know, hey, we we might all, it's possible, depending on how long this goes on, that things just return to normal, quote unquote. But I think we're going to see, I think it's kind of like once you see something, you can't unsee it. Um, I think we're going to see right. some real change, some big change that's positive. And I think in the education front too, I mean, certainly everyone's had to rethink you know, <laughs> by force, everywhere. school day, yeah. everywhere from higher ed. And, and certainly with a whole gener- younger generation dropped with college loans right now in a way, like I'm a Gen Xer um, and, you know, we had college loans, but it didn't seem to be like the, the generation that just came up in the millennial space just seems like so many like burdens of student loans. Um, you know, kids graduating with a hundred $200,000 worth of loans. I'm like, this is really a good time to say, let's take a break. Let's look at this for a second. What are we doing? <laughs> like, well, how, did, how did we get to this point? Yeah, for, for sure. So there, there's a, a tremendous amount to, to, to unpack there, but we've gone through kind of our first segment here and uh, excited to, to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're you're listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show, and we're talking with Claudia Reuters about uh, what started was uh, about the 43% of women who drop out of the workplace and, and experience this motherhood penalty. I, I like that. Uh, and, you know, when they tried to get back into the workforce, uh, they found it not quite as easy. So we've been hearing how Claudia did that uh, very successfully. Uh, but we're going to take a short break. Uh, we're going to come back and continue the conversation. We're going to first hear from uh, Zor.ai, one of our sponsors. We appreciate them being part of the show and then Success Performance Solutions. Uh, so stay tuned. We will be right back with Geek Skeezers Googleization and Claudia Reuters. Hi everyone, this is Ira Wolf, author of Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. I'm excited to announce that my online course, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter, is open for business. This course is the culmination of a two-year-long project and releases recruiting tips I've learned after hundreds of hours of research, speaking with thousands of conference attendees, and interviews with dozens of experts. It's all available to you in Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. To receive more information or get started, visit our website at www.successperformancesolutions.com and click on the tab, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chat bots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's xor.ai. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ira Wolf, and I'm with my co-host Keith Compagna today, and we've got Claudia Reuter uh, on the show, and we've been talking about the motherhood penalty, uh, what it's like to be a stay-at-home mom and then trying to get back into the workplace, and uh, Claudia has certainly conquered that. She's got a brand new book, and she shared a lot of those experiences in there, and it's called Yes, You Can Do This, Uh, and it just came out, I believe, last month. Is that right, Claudia? That's right. It actually came out um, 
just before Women's History Month, which turned into <laughs> Pandemic Month. <laughs> so, it's turned out to Black yeah. Lives Matter Month, right? <laughs> oh, well, and it and they do. I mean, it, and it's it's been um, yeah. So the book came out February nineteenth, um, and you know, we, I started to literally. I flew to um, a few book events uh, and. I, on my way back, um, got a message that, you know, Hey, Boston's starting to, to quiet down and we're going to be going into lockdown. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's been really interesting because even my book, uh, events turned into virtual events. Um, and you know, as we were talking about, I think, you know, it's been really interesting to, you know, the book is timely, I think, because it's, it's the message in the book is about how you can create a business to build the life that, is important to you that you want to build. And that includes what your workday structure looks like, what, um, what the environment that you're building looks like, and certainly at scale. Um, and certainly the pandemic, you know, replaced essentially, you know, some of the, the way in which we are going to position it around women's history month and started thinking about well, how do how do we really look at this um, for this new world of work? We're all in everyone. Um, and then, yeah. And, and then of course, more recently, the, the tragic news of, George Floyd and, um, you know, the importance of really thinking about Black Lives Matter. And as we're talking about all these, um, all of these uh, things happening in the world seem to be shedding a light on on places that have such opportunity for change right now. Um, And I think we're going to see more, more coming. So I'm sure there's, there's, again, uh, people of both genders that are are looking, reevaluating their lives, reflecting on what they want to do and and maybe not going back to that crazy uh, pace that they had before or, you know, commuting two to three hours a day, uh, you know, especially if you lived in an urban area and even some regional areas. You know, people just, um, you know, really spend a lot of time, a, a lot of time away from family and trying to juggle all this. What are... What were some? What are some of the obstacles um, that you experienced, and, and and one in particular when you went to get venture capital? So when when you decided to to start your own business as a woman, um, th- was there the same? Was there the same challenges you had? Uh, was was it different? Uh, is it harder for for women to to get the VC money? It, it, it statistically it is. I think when I started, um, I didn't know how hard it, it was. Um, I didn't have all the data that I have now, but um, this was about 17 years ago. But uh, last year in 2019, of all venture funding, only three percent of it went to female-led companies. Wow! Um, and that's oh, that's crazy. Yeah. It's I, I, crazy. I knew it was it's bad. Crazy. I thought it was bad. It was a sort of a leading question, but I didn't realize it was that bad. That's, yeah, well, that's up. That's up from where it, what it was uh, several years ago. Oh, so <laughs> um, we're we're making progress, but I mean, three percent is not not great, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think you know, there's there's a, so many different reasons, and that's some of the some of what I tried to cover in the book. Um, so I, I currently work for TechStars as a general manager. I joined um, a few years ago as a managing director, where I've been making investments in companies on behalf of TechStars through our accelerator programs. And we're, we're very intentional about um, trying to change some of those stats. And um, like in my, in my uh, cohort last year, we invest in 10 companies at a time, you know, five out of 10 companies had a female CEO. So it's 50%. That seems correct. Right. And like, <laughs> given that women make up 50% of the population, um, I think there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons for this though. Um, uh, 
you know, there's, there's, and some of the things I tried to cover in the book is if you go way back, um, women as in our society, young girls in school are more likely to be rewarded for compliant behavior. So coming in on time, turning your paper in on time, staying in your desk, uh, they, they get positive feedback for that. Boys actually get ignored for the same behavior, just completely ignored, but they get a ton of attention for minor misbehavior. Hey, stay in your seat. Why are you running? Why is that? All the different things, right? So there's studies that indicate that over time, because women are conditioned to be more compliant, they become more risk averse, whereas men become more um, comfortable with risk because they've seen like through their education that you know, what's the worst that happens, right? Like what is literally the worst thing that happens if you, if you make a misstep. And so um, I think, you know, some of it initially, like there's, you know, the, the message of like, Oh, the, there's a pipeline issue. I don't think there really is a pipeline issue in terms of, I think women are just as excited about entrepreneurship as men are. Um, but I think that there's a lot of different social barriers that cro- have cropped up over time that, make it more challenging for women to acknowledge that they're entrepreneurs earlier. Um, sometimes they will, you know, and I'm speaking broadly, obviously, but women are more likely to wait and self-identify that in that way when they've made more progress in their business than men have, you know, whereas men might be at like an idea stage and say, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, and so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of sort of unconditioning that needs to happen. And then certainly there's just a lot of per- perception on the other side. There's studies out there that show that investors are, uh, this was publicized pretty widely in Harvard Business Review relatively recently that there were studies done showing that even when women and men are in investor meetings, investors are more likely to ask women questions about the risk associated with what they're trying to do, which of course leads you to start talking about things that are not exciting for investors, right? Because you're talking about all the things that could go wrong, um, whereas men are more likely to get questions about the opportunity and how big things can get. So some of the coaching we're doing wow. with female founders is on understanding that. So like once you, and it's, it's just kind of, unveiling that because once you understand that one I think investors when they're conscious of that will stop doing that um, I also think that when women are aware that that could happen um, they're going to be more likely to pivot and change right change the answer it's kind of like coaching someone on hey you can acknowledge the question that doesn't mean you have to spend the next 20 minutes talking about that you can highlight it and then move move them back to opportunity and studies show that when women actually do pivot to, to where you want to take them, um, they're, they're more likely to get funding. So um, there's a whole lot. Uh, and that's a lot of the types of things that I'm covering in the book of like those types of tactics that are not necessarily just, um, you know, how to do something concrete, but how to deal with a lot of the unconscious bias and challenges that are out there. Um, so yes, as a woman, it definitely was different. And when I was trying to enter this world, I, I really had no idea what I was doing at that point in my journey. And um, I was usually like the token woman in the room. <laughs> so it's, you know. So, so, so I, didn't, I didn't have a chance to, to read the book, but within the book, are there tips for, I mean, do you give suggestions or guidance for, for people who, uh, you know, to, to get through the bias? Yes. So um, I've broken the book into three sections. So the first section, and, and there's actually, um, so while there's aspects of my own story in there, I'm certainly um, just one person, right? So what I've done is actually break out um, a, a series of fictional characters who um, are each at various stages of their career journey or entrepreneurial journey. Um, and they have interactions in the book that create these types of scenarios. 
-hmm. And then, so each chapter is broken into a, a fictional narrative that helps you understand what some of these nuanced conversations look like and what some of these situations look like. And then the second half of each chapter gives you very practical takeaways of how to overcome or deal with that. Um, and so the, the book takes you from, you know, how do you think about starting and what could that look like um, to, you know, how, do, how are you running things um, and actually starting up and the different ideas for venture funding, or maybe you don't want venture funding. There's other sources out there. So, um, you know, helping people understand what the world of possibility is across the landscape. Um, and then, you know, as you continue to scale things, you, you should consider or can consider. So, uh, you know, it's really meant to be part manifesto, like let's get out there and think about doing this to really drive change and, and, and improve things for everyone. Um, and then it's, it's part practical, tactical how-to guide. Oh, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. We got about ten minutes left here, Claudia, and it's uh, and we definitely want the audience to be able to um, follow up with you directly. So we'll get to that. But I, I, speaking of the audience, I want to go back to something that you said that resonated with something that came out of my mouth at the beginning of the podcast. Earlier, I said that I'm just a knucklehead finding his way, and you had commented about how when you first started, you didn't know what you were doing. And I, I, I spend time in my keynotes and, and my, my presentations trying to emphasize the idea that there's nothing to fear and that I can only, I can only be empathetic so far because I've never been a stay-at-home mom. But I can tell you that I am the, the primary parent. We live in the school, kids' school district, so I take on a lot of the responsibilities. And it's just simply fascinating to me how people it seems like more people are willing to hold on to the fear of the unknown instead of just taking small steps is there anything and but but i also know that most people want to take those first small steps they just can't figure out how to get out of their own head maybe let's take a let's change lanes and move out of a business mindset and i'll ask you is there anything that's worked for you on a personal level that's helped you change a mental habit or find um, a, tr uh, a way for you to stay positive even when you knew it was going to be hard and you didn't know what was going to happen? Absolutely. And, and, uh, and I should be really transparent too. Like I, this, what I'm describing now is not stuff that I always had figured out. Um, and sure. I actually put in the book how uh, you know, at one point, um, you know, I, I, I worried a lot about things um, and I was fearful of a lot of things. And I actually mistook that fear as um, concern, like, hey, I, I must be concerned. That's why I'm thinking about this. Therefore, I'm doing a good job. And it wasn't until one day I, um, I had like tingling in my fingers and I was, you know, working on a million things and taking a break for a minute. And I had a panic attack. I thought I was having like a heart attack or something. Um, and I went to, you know, to see my doctor and I put this in the book because essentially I was diagnosed with um, anxiety and uh, went, went through therapy for a few months and, and really did come out the other side without anxiety or at least with tools to be able to deal with it um, without medication. And the, one of the biggest um, takeaways that I've had that's been helpful to me over many years now is incorporating meditation into my daily practice. And so I think I try to think of it as if you're 
you know, because sometimes you can get in these loops, right, where people do this, where you're fearful of taking that step, you're worried about what's going to happen. And you're, it's like, if your brain is a computer, right? Not that it is, but if you're just making that analogy, it's almost as if like you're, you're overheating, right? Because you're just running and running on a certain thing. So by meditating, you just take, I set a timer every day for about five minutes, not too long. Um, And I, I set an alarm, so I know not to distract myself with what time is it or anything like that. And literally spend those five minutes consciously not thinking of anything. And if that's hard for people to do, you know, an easy way to get started is to just pick one word, um, like peace or, you know, whatever word is comforting to you and just run that in your head. Um, And think of it like you're cleaning your own computer processor. (laughs) That's how I think of it. I'm like just cleaning, cleaning the system out. Um, and that allows your brain, your, you, you just stop for a minute. Um, that clears you. It resets me for the whole day and it allows me to have much more. Um, it allows me to respond rather than to react. Um, and, and that's, it's an important distinction as you're, especially in leadership. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Thank hey, you. Hey, hey, Claudia, I've got like a whole page of questions <laughs> I wanted to ask. But we are we, we, we are we are closing in. Yeah, we're like closing in on on the last five minutes of the show. So um, before we we go on, are you? Uh, how, how can people get in touch with you? How can they? How can they get your book? And if they have other questions, how can they reach out to you? Sure. So the book is called Yes, You Can Do This, How Women Start Up, Scale Up, and Build the Life They Want. It's available wherever you get books. On, it's published by Wiley, and it's on Amazon um, and you know Barnes and & Nobles and all the other. Obviously, all the bookstores are closed right now, so it's all, you, know, you can order it online. Um, and uh, I'm on Twitter at Reuter underscore Claudia. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always open to new connections. So folks can direct message me, um, on social, I'm also on LinkedIn, um, and pretty easy to find there and usually respond to messages that come my way. And then for the podcast, the podcast is the 43%. It's on all the, you know, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, all the places you might listen to podcasts. And we also have a website called the 43%.com, which is, uh, with the number four, three. Uh, yeah, I actually went up uh, just to kind of get your style and and hear little conversations. And uh, in fact, I almost missed uh, one of my calls this morning. I went in and uh, I started listening to it, and and uh, re- really excellent. So I, I encourage people to go up and and do that. So and and congratulations on everything. I mean, you you blew me away on some of these stats. I mean, I'm, I'm usually up on uh, on some of these, but the three percent. I actually went up and uh, searched for it, and uh, yeah, it was two point eight percent. In uh, yeah, uh, invested in women in, in 2019. That's that's just amazing. So it crazy. sounds like a yeah, great and opportunity. You know what, what, and and it's because we need to see more investment at at the like we're, you know we're we're I think we're starting to see some more investment happening in the pre-seed seed stage, and we need to see it at all the levels. Because um, mm-hmm. otherwise, yep. what happens is you just invest in more of the same people you already invested in, and therefore the stat never changes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so thanks. And and thanks for uh, uh, bringing that up. And again, uh, I've I've got a whole page of questions here that or uh, and ideas that I'd I'd like to run by it. But uh, so hopefully you'll you'll come back on Geek Skeezers Googleization and uh, we'll be able to have continue the conversation. And and maybe we'll be talking about, uh, you know, hopefully you'll make a a, a leap forward and that three percent will come 25 or 50 percent. So I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Okay, so um, Keith. There we are again. Um, completely. What what a, an eye opener this was. Uh, fantastic. 
Yeah, it just speaks to the opportunity that is available to anyone willing to take it, specifically females, specifically anyone, really. It's uh, just another example. Claudia is amazing. She's she's doing the work. She's pushed through the fear. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that people I hope with in light of all the bad that's going on, Ira, my hope is that people realize that if there's bad in the world, there's got to be good. So find the good. Yeah. And an opportunity. Um, you know, I think this is a is a fresh start for a lot of people re- re- reflecting, rethinking of, of how things are done, whether it's revising your business model, thinking about your career, um, how you know what's important in your life. Um, you know, uh, again, it's it's everybody's uh, hitting the refresh button, uh, whether they want to or not. And uh, so it's, it's a great opportunity. And hopefully uh uh, we've had some great guests on the show, including Claudia, and uh, hopefully uh, we're, we're helping people do that. We are at the wrapping up another Geeks, and Googleization. It's just hard to believe. This, this one went incredibly fast. Uh, we thank everyone in our Googleization nation and uh, all our listeners uh, for being part of the show. Uh, if you're interested in uh, joining Googleization Nation, it's free. Go to googleizationnation.com. Uh, you'll get updates, including about uh, uh, the webinars. Uh, as I said, uh, I announced a few earlier, but we've got uh, at least six coming up in the next few weeks and uh, doing our live streams and our podcasts and guests. And uh, we're, we're looking at ways to expand that. Uh, special thanks again to Zor.ai. Uh, and Success Performance Solutions for uh, supporting us and, and being sponsors of our show uh, during the second year. Uh, we are looking for uh, sponsors uh, beginning, uh, our year begins in October, but you can join us anytime. So if you'd like to be part of the show, please do that. Um, any final words, Keith? Anything you can think of? No. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Claudia. Thank you, Ira. Um, just we'll see you guys again in a week. And uh, look, look for the previous episodes. You know, life work integration is where artificial and emotional intelligence converges. And it seems like every week we have people coming in and proving that there is a way to succeed by, by focusing on the positive and doing it. Yeah, and as Keith said, uh, you can catch uh, any of the 100 previous episodes on Geek Skeezers and Googleization or on your favorite podcast, which is Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, iHeart, SoundCloud, uh, you name it, we're there. Uh, and so we'll, we'll be back uh, in another week, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, W4CY.com. This is Ira Wolf and Keith Compagna from the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. Don't let the shift hit your plans. Oh, 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 oh,